Hey everybody, Joel here. Just a brief little primer on this episode. We did have some technical issues, which I sadly did not notice until too late. So uh, a good, unfortunately, a good portion of this episode will have some audio hiccups. Um, there's nothing I can really do to actually clean up the sound. But I'm still going to release the episode because I feel like the discussion we had was really good and important. And I really, I, I really don't want to lose that. So apologies again. I'm going to be a bit more stringent in the future with our recording to make sure that this sort of thing doesn't happen. And hopefully we won't fall into this issue again. Once again, apologies, and please enjoy the episode. Spam. I'm Love Blossoms on the Battlefield, Joel. And I'm Julia. And this episode's on Metal Gear Solid 2. Metal Gear Solid, yes! So Metal Gear Solid 2 is uh, part of a long series of games, starting with Metal Gear back on the NES. Um, but it's produced by Konami, and it's written and developed by uh, Hideo Kojima. And this game came out in November of 2001, which is important because some things in the game changed because it came right after 9-11. I know we, we literally just played this, but I did not realise it came out that long ago. That's, yeah. that's 20 years ago! It's And this is why, because when I was talking to you about the meta stuff surrounding this game, you didn't seem too shocked. And I'm like, you got to realise, this was like 20 years ago. Uh, we're, we're still in baby internet times, but we'll get into that, we'll get into that. That's coming. Uh, so Hideo Kojima, now, uh, there was a big tiff between him and Konami, and now he has Kojima Productions, and the first game, uh, came out about a year ago, called Death Stranding, so he's off doing cool things. At the, at the cost of our dear Silent Hills, I'll always remember you. (laughs) Most of these games he made under duress. I mean, anything after Metal Gear Solid 1. He was kind of done with the series, and each game that he made afterwards was kind of like, well, this will be the last one. And Metal Gear Solid 2 is kind of uh, very evident of this because of not only the fuck you to the player that we'll get into, but um, the the way the story structured and, and a lot of other things. He wasn't ex- ex- he didn't think he'd have to ever explain uh, things. And Metal Gear Solid 4, the one Metal Gear Solid game I haven't played, uh, does tie all of these things up, as at least as far as I'm aware. So, we had a couple of conversations about this game after I nominated it, and I immediately felt regret. And, uh, uh peek behind the curtain, we actually... I nominated this, like, over a month ago. Uh, and we've actually... We're a little bit out from when we finished playing it. It's been a few weeks. Yeah. And what I realized after I nominated it and as we were playing it was this was definitely a part of like game history that I wanted to share with you. Um, and I guess I was excited to share it with you and that's why I nominated it. I didn't think it was a good pick for the podcast though uh, after I made the nomination. So I, I grappled with that a lot actually, but 
I've I've thought about it differently now, where that's actually an interesting way to approach media as well, just analysing it from that point of view. So I'm going to be... I mean, we're going to be talking about the things here. The, 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 The problem I'm running into is I don't want to just sit here and talk about the events that happened in the game and review it. And because this is this podcast is about it's kind of about like what did this mean to you right and the problem here is is i thought i was a little bit arrogant i thought this this game is in a time and a place and specifically the story relies heavily on nostalgia for the first game in fact it's part of the story that the same events are happening i thought i could be that nostalgia filler for you i was a little bit arrogant thinking i could do that I think I failed, uh, not terribly, but I think I kind of failed in that, but I can never actually know the answer to that because I can never put you back in 2001. I can't, I can't put you in that zeitgeist again. So, but that, that will be an interesting thing to talk about, see how you came to the game with as much, with me putting in as much context as I could. Yeah. Well, if, if you're happy to go, I'll talk about that for a bit. So, my background with the Metal Gear universe is pretty sparse. Uh, We actually, we had to talk about this. I think I've played a bit of Metal Gear Solid 3. I I can remember some very vague specifics about boss battles. But, like, I... I was a game journalist for a very short period. Um, so I... I fucking know Metal Gear. Everyone knows Metal Gear. It is a cultural landmark so like i know a lot about metal gear tangentially uh so when you said that we were doing metal gear solid 2 i was super excited because i know that metal gear solid 2 and you know all of them especially number one but like they they've all had this massive impact on the culture but because i've never played them fully i i didn't really know all of the specifics as to why so I thought this nomination was really fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and I was so excited to jump into it because I don't necessarily have the nostalgia. Uh, but unlike some of the games we play, like we've been playing through Spyro recently, and I don't have the nostalgia for Spyro, so I find the game a bit jarring in spots. But like for Metal Gear, um, it really wasn't that wasn't a problem. If that makes sense? I find it interesting because specifically the Solid Snake simulation, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it, but like that game rests on the idea of the nostalgia of being the perfect soldier from Metal Gear Solid 1. Like it specifically evokes it to make a point. Whereas Spyro is just like, the, the nostalgia conversation we were having surrounding Spyro is just like, well, you probably liked the thing because you liked it when you were a kid. Mm. Um, whereas like, yeah, Metal Gear Solid 2 is a little bit different with that because of how uh, directly it accesses that nostalgia. Mm. It makes a point of pointing to it and saying, hey, look. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be very interesting to, like, uh, dissect our perspectives on that. Um, and also, uh, the fact that I didn't play this, I was, like, I was the backseat driver. Mm-hmm. You kind of ran the whole thing because I'm really shit at games. <laughs> and it was going to take fucking forever. I don't think you're shit at games. I'm a little shit. I fully admit that. Okay. Uh, but... Uh, the experience of watching versus playing such a cultural, like, icon. Um, I don't know if this is going to pop up in conversation. I could be talking about it and it all just 
not crop up, but it was interesting to think about while we were going through it. Well, be glad you didn't play it, because as much as I love this game, it controls, like, absolute dog shit. Um, it has a lot of... I, I don't want to... Talking about this game, I don't want to, like, get hardcore into, like, story beats or, like, mechanical discussions of how it plays. I just want to be kind of brief on those and kind of talk about the meta stuff surrounding it and um, the way we approached it. Mm. But, like, the controls are shit. Um, there are a lot of, like, issues where, like, the amount of times I, like, accidentally laid down... Uh, whereas in, like, oh yeah, that was so funny. Uh, it would happen all the time, and not because yeah, just because yeah. <laughs> it's janky. It is quite janky. What what console would it be? Two thousand one. That's PS two. PS two. Yeah. Yeah. So, part of that like trying to fill nostalgia thing was like, Metal Gear Solid One was like, and I didn't play it at the time, but the zeitgeist uh, for Metal Gear Solid One. Oh, I'm going to make some people angry. I don't think Metal Gear Solid 1 is, like, that great <gasps> game. I just don't. Uh, it has huge, like, pacing issues. But then so does 2, but I guess I'm just more favourable to it. Metal Gear Solid 1 was, yeah, it was a cultural touchstone. It was a really big deal. And um, that's kind of why the bait and switch is so important for Metal Gear Solid 2. So I kept trying to, like, inject as much of this as I could while we were playing. And I was just like watch this trailer in the attract mode the attract mode trailer shows snake doing everything shows him on the tanker shows him on the shell part for a little bit but it's like snake 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 and then at the end it's like also starring raiden and then they they push him off to the side but like this game is raiden's game uh it was actually so funny when we were first watching this guys because like it's playing, and you're just sitting there, like, cackling to yourself. And I've, like, written in my notes, oh, what the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. Joel's having a bit of a giggle. I don't get it. And you're just like, ah, you guys knew exactly what you were doing. Because and the, the marketing fun. surrounding the game was, here comes, you all love, you're all jerking off to uh, Solid Snake so much. Well, here's your Solid Snake game, and a big middle finger to them saying, ha, it's Raiden. And they do this to an extent which I, it has a couple of small problems, but general, generally I like it. But if Snake is your tough uh, one-liner strong boy, Raiden is your soft effeminate boy. Uh, and they try to make a juxtaposition between strong and weak, whereas I, think, I don't think femininity specifically means weak but this came out in 2001 i'm gonna give it a little bit of uh leeway on this question for the listeners is Raiden a twink or a twunk i don't i've never heard the word twunk before a twunk is like i don't i classified it as like the same camp as a himbo like it's a big buff dude but they're like a little bit Twinky, a little bit <laughs> silly. I don't know. Somewhere between twink and himbo. Sure. <laughs> Somewhere between twink and himbo. <laughs> no, I, I love Raiden, actually, and I loved him at the time. And I made a point, Hipster Joel's coming out here, but like, I've always loved Raiden. Raiden got shit on so much um, and made fun of because of that, like, femininity uh, surrounding him. But um, I've, I've always loved him. And he becomes like a cool cyborg, but we'll, we'll get there. Mm. Uh, it may not be a podcast thing, but we're playing Revengeance together. Oh, we absolutely are. Because I also... I I did not realise that Metal Gear Solid 2 was the first game that Raiden gets introduced. Because mm. I, 
I've known of Raiden, and I fucking love Raiden too. Yeah. He's beautiful. I did play a little bit of Revengeance, I think maybe the first 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, he's beautiful. I just want to take him home <laughs> to meet my, my twink friends. <laughs> but they're, they're definitely trying to say something about the, the player. And there's an interesting uh, quote I've heard here. Uh, one of the things, this game's trying to say like 20 different things, but one of them is be careful what you pretend to be. You are what you pretend to be. This, uh, this is sort of adjacent to... Um, it's indistinguishable if, if you are not a racist person and share a lot of racist jokes online, but you're not being genuine. If you're, if you're indistinguishable from somebody who means it sincerely, you have the same effect. So you are the thing, regardless of whether or not you are. Does that make sense? Mm. Um, and they, they talk about this later in the game, but um, Hideo Kojima is like calling out the player here. Jack grew up as a child soldier. And they literally say to him, we put a gun at your hand at six years old. And the whole like Solid Snake simulation program, the S3 program, we can literally anybody can be Solid Snake if we put him in the right conditions. Um, the start of the game, Jack is like really arrogant. It's just like, I know how to do all this. I went through all the VR missions, you know? And he talks to Snake, and Snake is just like, well, in real life, that's not how things go down. And um, people speculate, and I agree, that this is Hideo Kojima talking about the player. It's just like, you wanted to be Solid Snake so badly, and you were so mad when we made you Raiden, right? We're, we're calling you out directly by using Raiden as an allegory. Um, you're not really a cool spy man by playing Middle Gear Solid and, like, you know, eating up all this military, like, what's the word? Being a military fanboy. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, the propaganda. Yeah. So it's interesting. That's one of the things. This game's saying a lot of things, but it's, I think it's interesting. Did you... Did you like get any of that out of the yes, game? Yes, yeah. absolutely. The thing I think this is why Metal Gear is such a great series of games because of all of this meta commentary and breaking the fourth wall and like it really speaks to players in a way that I feel like a lot of games just don't anymore. Mm-hmm. It's amazing and I ah I, you know, having never played Metal Gear, I have such a big place in my heart for Metal Gear because of just this kind of shit. It's amazing. Well, I will say that whole, like, meta, the the larger meta stuff exists more in this game than anything else. The other the other ones are more of a straight shoot, a straight put. What, what's the saying? I don't care. Straight shot? Eh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that... The sort of meta stuff that happens in this game is a little bit more direct, a mm. little bit, uh, a little bit larger. Um, but we even—I don't want to go fully into Colonel Campbell just yet. But like he literally says it uh, as the AI starts to break down. Maybe you would have preferred a fantasy setting. Uh, well, I've got some—I've got some beautiful quotes here. Your role, that is, mission is to infiltrate the structure and disarm the terrorists. My role? Why do you keep saying that? Why not? This is a type of role-playing game. 
The point is that you play out your part, and I expect you to turn in a perfect performance. Raiden, turn the game console off right now. What did you say? The mission is a failure. Cut the power right now. What's wrong with you? Don't worry, it's a game. It's a game just like usual. You'll ruin your eyes playing so close to the TV. What are you talking about? Uh, maybe you would have preferred a, uh, a medieval setting. Um, throughout the entire game, he goes, this is your role. You need to do this, this is your role. And I would just like, look at you. <laughs> Every single time he said role, he says it really pronounced. And later on, he says, this is a role-playing game. This is your role in this game. Um, and if we can acknowledge or accept that Raiden is a stand-in for the player, then they're, they're making some pretty big accusations about the player and uh, how they fetishize all this like military stuff. Because ultimately, especially Metal Gear Solid 1, these, these games are anti-war games, but that provides a problem because it's impossible to make an anti-war film because by showing the horrors of war, you are glorifying them. Mm. And that's what these games do. They are anti-war, specifically nuclear war, but it, by fetishizing all the military stuff to um, have an anti-war stance, you're, you're like also glorifying it. I mean, listen to the, how they talk. It's like, well, this is a... I can't even pronounce the, the helicopter name. A, a Chaskaska. Oh, is this the civilian model or the... Like, Snake even says, I can't tell from the motor sound whether it's a civilian or a, or a military model. Like, these people fucking love their military shit. Mm. Just a, a side note. Uh, Colonel Campbell is voiced by Paul Eating. Uh, uh, yeah? Isn't it Max Tennyson? <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're right. The character's name in Ben 10 is Max. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. with you, yes. Uh, so, yes, he's voiced by Paul Eating, who's also Grandpa Max in Ben 10. I'm a huge fan of Ben 10, so when I first heard Colonel Campbell speak, I'm like, oh, no. Well, I was going <laughs> to lead into that. I wrote down the character's name, so I've never read Ben 10. Uh, read. I've never... <laughs> I've never watched Ben 10 before, so... So it was very... The whole time we're playing Metal Gear, I'm just like, is he going to say, Raiden, time to use the Omni Train? Or give me your best Ocelot says... Or give me your best Liquid Snake says Liquid. Liquid! <laughs> <laughs> kind of just like talking at you with like themes of this game but i should probably uh move into some more discussions uh, i'm gonna bounce around a lot here we'll just see how we'll just see how this goes i have no structure for this because this is such if, we, it, if yeah. we were to actually talk about this game it would properly it, it would take hours it's very hard to talk about it linearly it would be no opposite Linearly, it would... Well, actually, yeah, no, true. Yeah, because, like, the... I, I have mm. to hop around a lot. We'll work it out in editing. 
Oh, we're not. I'm not editing this at all. Uh, so let's pick a character. Pick a character from this sheet, and we'll and we'll talk about them. Well, let's start with the most important, our baby Jack. So Jack, Jack the Ripper. Jack Ryden, Ryden Jack. Um, you seemed to be just watching you as we were playing. You seemed to really, and, and correct me. You seem to uh, really have a connection when Jack was talking about sleeping alone in a room, having nightmares of being a child soldier, not sleeping with anybody, having a bare room. Did you, like, get anything out of that? Well, I I relate to it in a, like, empathetic way, because I know a lot of friends that have PTSD from various, like, Things. And I see a lot of characters with PTSD and, like, war trauma mm-hmm. um, and that in the content that I consume. Uh, you don't necessarily have to relate to it. I'm just saying, did you did it did it work for you? Did you? Oh, yeah, it works for you. That's what I'm asking. Heartstrings yeah. tugged. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. It seemed to affect you is what I'm, is it, what I'm saying. Oh, it's, just, it's just so sad and tragic and also, like... The whole game, I was feeling that Rose was not who she said she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, falling that over this whole... Like, the relationship is fake. I, I know it's n- not really, but you know what I mean. I, I, I'm at this point in time thinking the relationship is fake, and he's going through all of this trauma, and he's been shoved into this situation he doesn't quite understand... Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, having his own little therapy sessions while doing it. Um, and it's it's fucking emotional, man. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. And I fucking love Raiden. He deserves better. He is so sweet and he's cute and I love him. No, he, becomes an ex- he becomes the monster that he was born to be in Revengeance, so get ready for that. Mm. Oh, also, this is, like... Probably not related to anything at all, but I found it so funny that you didn't make the connection to Jack and Rose being on a ship. Oh, because I, I was well, instantly not, like, are they Titanic? Well, they're not on a ship. Well, they're not on a ship. They're, but, they're over water. It's the same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jack and Rose. No, I never, I never thought of those those words together. Not like that. Well, you brought up Rose, so. Um, I was sus on her from the beginning. It was a weird idea to bring... What, you didn't watch King Kong for 12 hours? What? That's their first date. They talked about... They talked about uh, buildings, architecture, and then they went and hung out and watched King Kong until the sun rose. I just watched Kong vs. Godzilla, and I could barely stand that for half an hour. Let alone well, a twelve-hour date about architecture, and then going to see. No, 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 no. <laughs> they, they met over architecture, and they went back to whoever's house, and they watched King Kong, the original like nineteen fifties King Kong on repeat until the sun rose. That was their first date. Why she talks would about you it do her, that? <laughs> Joel, if we were on a date, what would be the movie that you put on repeat? Primer. Primer, you have to watch more than a couple of times to everything to sink in and all the pieces to fit. So, Mm. yeah. I reckon I would play Interstate 60. (laughs) That's cool. I could get a really good nap. (laughs) Um, 
But no, the their whole their whole thing was really sus, and I'm very surprised at how that all actually played out. I don't know what happens in four. I know Rose is a big deal in four. Do uh, they get they get married? Don't I they? Think so. I swear uh, yeah, I, I read it on Reddit I, somewhere. I really need to play four. Uh, I really do, but I kind of like how because a lot of things get retcons mm. as far as I'm aware in four, and I kind of like the things that happen in two. I just um, want to stay in my own bubble of everything's perfect here. Speaking of <laughs> bubbles, though, we'll get to echo chambers later. Um, why does Raiden? Why is Raiden okay with her? So th- the real Rose is a spy for the Lalelelo, right? And she changes her look, her mannerisms, her style, everything to suit Raiden's needs to, like, help set this whole thing up. But she, the real Rose actually falls in love with him, and she gets pregnant. Am I pregante? <laughs> at the end of the game, when Raiden learns all of this, obviously the, the, co- the one on the codec that he's talking to is the AI. It's yeah. not the real Rose. But when he gets the real Rose, he knows the real Rose. The whole relationship is predicated on lies. At the end, after Hideo Kojima through Snake says, you need to determine your own values in life, um, Jack is just, like, totally okay with staying with her. We had the same problem, if you recall, listeners, with Moaka in Steins Gate. Everyone, well, everyone being Ocarin, just like, it's cool you're around her. I'm going to give you the lab member pin anyway because you are now okay with me. Yeah. It, it's just this, like, there. We'll talk about it more in other episodes because I have content that talks about this a lot. But there's this. I don't want to say it's a culture, but it's definitely like a theme of a lot of stuff of like, just forgive anything. Yeah. Forgiveness well, overall. It's a big. As far as I'm aware, it's a very big Japanese cultural thing. Mm. You'll see it a lot in their media where it's like, I'll never forgive you for this or you won't get my forgiveness. It's like actually a pretty big, like, that's not sort of thing that we value as highly here. We don't care about the forgiveness part. We do. I but... don't know. Because there's a lot. I'm, I'm thinking a lot of like content where uh, people forgive their abusers for stuff that happened in the past. Because that's pretty prevalent. It's it's way more, it's super steeped in like anime and stuff. Mm. So like the 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 big examples of like in Naruto, I don't know if you watched it, but like at the end, like people who genocided people and like commit atrocious war crimes, just just like, well, we're all about that forgiveness. Mm. Come back in. Um, they're pretty uh, blatant examples of that, but it yeah. seems to be a, a, a big thing. I don't like it. I don't like that forgiveness is. I'm the kind of person who. Uh, thinks it's okay to hold a grudge and not forgive people for certain things. That's just how I live my life. Yeah, uh, oh, I don't. I, it's the same. Yeah, and I, I don't. I, I don't like this. I cut people out of my life mm. when it's necessary. Like I've cut people who people would consider should be very close to my life. I'm like, nope. And if I found out that you're a spy, I'd be pretty fucking pissed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know why this happens, but you know what? It's a video game. We'll just put that in the the box of this is video game logic and put it under the table where no one can see it. <laughs> I I talked about some characters. So I went theme characters. I'm going to go back to a theme. All right. And this is probably one of the larger ones here. I'm going to talk about like motivations. Okay. 
And I think there's a really interesting discussion here, but I'm just going to have to talk at you for a minute, and I apologize. So let's talk about the major players in this. We have Solidus. We have the Patriots. We have Snake, well, Solid Snake, and Raiden. Who's working for the Patriots? He just, just doesn't know it. At some point uh, while we were playing, I drew like a mind map yeah. of that in my notebook, and you found it very funny because you were just like, Julia, you're going to have to rewrite this in like 10 minutes. Because at your <laughs> understanding, like it made sense, but it was funny because I said, everything you're writing is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. And I, I was going to rewrite it later, but I was having a, a real hard time following this, all of that. <laughs> this game, and that's why I'm trying to take a different approach with this, talking about this game, because this game is extremely complex and we're not going to be able to cover it all. So that leads us into like, people's motivations right so we've got maybe i should do a very small setup here just in case anyone hasn't played this i mean we're already spoiling the shit out of it but people should play this game so basically a um everyone's building metal gears which is a uh it's a type of robot weapon yeah the the, the what makes metal gears dangerous is that they can shoot a nuke to anywhere, from anywhere. The from is the important part. And um, everyone's building Metal Gears because the, the the blueprints for it got leaked, blah, blah, blah. The Marine Corps are developing an anti-Metal Gear, Metal Gear called Ray. Um, that's the tanker part where you actually play a snake at the start. And then after the tanker part, after the events that happened there happen, you are there two years later for an oil spill uh, cleanup facility called the Big Shell. This is the plant section of the game, which is the majority of the game. The good, a good like more than two thirds, mm. um, maybe three quarters. And um, the whole time that Raiden's there, he has no idea what he's doing. He thinks he's there. Like Dead Cell are there. We're going to talk about Dead Cell as well. Dead Cell are there. They have a, they have the president. They want thirty billion dollars. And if they don't, they'll blow the place up, which will release. The cleanup materials for the oil spill, um, which will destroy the ocean, the, that entire ocean essentially, and most of Manhattan. Pretty big deal. But any single time he mentions this to anybody, they're like, "What are you talking about? What oil spill?" Um, but what's really happening is um, this is a cover-up for Arsenal Gear, which has two purposes. One real main purpose. And this is what the Patriots want, which I think is actually really compelling. So the Patriots are kind of, they're, they're an AI system, the Lali Lulelo. And the AI system, like, yay, we, we mapped, it, it kind of like the collective unconsciousness of like the American experience. It's hard to describe mm. what they are. But we mapped the hum, human genome. Cool. That's the final frontier. Well, wait, there's another one. The, what the Patriots want to do is to... This is actually such a good line. What they want to do is they want to collect, organize, and understand all of humans' history and the, and the zeitgeist surrounding it. It's one thing to catalogue what happened. It's another one to say what actually happened, to understand it and to organize it. And that's what they're trying to do. And they were doing a pretty good job of it until everyone got access to the internet. And suddenly, we have information, as opposed to, like, books or whatever, 
we have large amounts of information that's injected into the system that never disappears. It's called junk data. And they're like, well, crap. We can't organize what it is to be human, to have the human experience, and to have our collective culture if we have all this random bullshit injected in there that never leaves. So their ultimate goal is to limit the input and output of information uh, to such a degree where they can basically create truth. And this is the very important line. It's not to control truth, but it's to create context. And they say this specifically. And we're running into this problem now and this is what I was talking to you a lot about. This is essentially, remember, 2001. This is essentially fake news. Mm -hmm. We are living in a time right now where two separate people may as well, for lack of a better term, live in different realities. Where completely different things are happening. And that's kind of fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. And the Patriots specifically want to make context because if you leave humans to, and they call them bubbles here, but we would call them echo chambers now, they talk about this in Metal Gear Solid 2 in 2001. They're just like, hey, if you just let people create, keep creating this junk data without anyone to sort it and say, wait, hold on, this is like actually what's happening, then you get people who will just like buy into that thing, access the information selectively with bias, and cre create little echo chambers for themselves. The Patriots want to stop fake news, essentially. Now, do we want AI running this? Well, I don't know. But I wouldn't necessarily say that they're wrong in oh, what they're no. doing. It, it's a very, like... I think we as humans don't like any kind of uh, implication that we're, like, controlled by mm -hmm. something. And I don't mean in the sense of, like, we don't like being in a a thing with like a leader like that's kind of different we don't like being controlled on we that. like our freedoms we like our freedoms uh so instinctively we kind of go to oh no what the patriots are doing is bad because they want to mm -hmm. control information yep. but like if i could magically stop people from recruiting young men to the far right through memes i would do that well, specifically, just false information. Mm -hmm. Or even the, the worst ones are half-truths, where part of the information that they're saying is actually true, but the, the genesis or the, the cause of it that they're saying is causing it is not the cause at all. Uh, half-truths are the most scary, because if you're going to argue, you have to say, well, yeah, no, actually, that part's right, but the, the correlation you're making is just so incorrect. Cough, cough, literally anything to do with anti-vax. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, it's fucking... So, again, like, if I was in charge... Oh, if I was smart enough to build an AI that could, like, filter information and stop anti-vax propaganda from happening, would I do it? I'd, I'd think pretty fucking hard about it, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I do my best to follow where the science is, mm. when it comes down to everything. But again, with these echo chambers and this misleading information, another person will just say, like, they live in a different reality. The, the type of science that they, they think they're, like, looking at, 
um, they they would say the same thing, and that's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. And every every single person, no matter how like open minded you think you are, you live in an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Just look at uh, the Facebook the uh, Facebook YouTube algorithms. Uh, these algorithms are built to like enhance your experience, but they're also creating echo chambers. You only well, see they call, cont- them, they call them pipelines. Yeah. Usually when people talk about this, they talk about it the alt-right pipeline, but there's pipelines for everything. There's pipelines for everything. I, I will fully admit to, you know, being sucked into the pipeline for, like, leftist well, politics. Have you... I'll ask a question. Have you ever watched, like, let's say you don't... Let's say you don't like Fortnite, for example. Have you ever watched one video on Fortnite and suddenly every recommended video is nothing but Fortnite? Mm-hmm. Because you're saying, oh, we'll know you'll like this. It's just like, I have no interest in this at all, actually. I just happen to watch this one video. But all it takes is one more click there and suddenly you'll never escape that. Yep. There's a... Uh, bringing it back to, like, that alt-right memes thing. Uh, there's... I hate this film. We'll talk about it some other time. The Social Dilemma really hate this film, but there is a scene in it where they're talking about the YouTube algorithm and one of the main characters of the film watches a video. I, th- I think it's it's about, like, the alt-right, but it's essentially talking about something pretty harmless, but then, like, two clicks later, it just snowballs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you you really cannot say that you are not part of an echo chamber because we all are, because mm-hmm. we have handed over our internet experience to algorithms. It, it would be so easy for Metal Gear Solid 2, again, I'm going to keep saying this, 2001, it would be so easy to say, well, the Patriots are the villains because they want to control information. That's the easy. That's the easy villains to make. But they don't do that. They say, well, we're not here to control information. We just want to make context. Because if we let you dumb fuck humans just go around and do your thing you're all just going to kill yourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right? Um, so I think the Patriots um, have, like, a really good point. But then you have almost every other faction in the game is against the Patriots, even Raiden, even though he doesn't realise he's working for them. Um, Solidus, Solidus Snake's plan for the entire thing is to take over Arsenal gear, swim it to Manhattan and launch a nuke into the air to create an EMP and blow out uh, the systems. The, the reason this is, is um, he wants to make like another, you don't know what this is, out of heaven. The original big boss um, tried to control all nuclear warfare and ended up becoming a monster because of it. Again, uh, th- this is the theme of like every game. But he created a, um, it's essentially a collection of oil rigs where they have their private military corps, um, cores. Uh, it was called Outer Heaven. He wanted to make essentially a new Outer Heaven at Manhattan to be outside of the Patriots' control. Because what Solidus really wants is freedom. Um, ultimate freedom. Well, not ultimate freedom. But it's, this is so hard to talk about. Solidus doesn't like the idea of change. Emma says something really interesting. She's, t- she's talking to Raiden about how the Patriots got in everywhere. And she goes, well, actually, remember the Y2K problem? The Patriots' uh, control system was actually implemented within the Y2K thing, right? And while she's explaining this to him, she goes, how many letters are there in the alphabet? And he says, 26. There's 26, right? 
I think it's 26. Let's just say it's 26. (laughs) She goes, how many letters are in the alphabet? He says, 26. And she goes, what's to say it wasn't 40? Um, That's kind of like the scary... I know that's like a weird example, but that's kind of like the scary part of what Patriots are doing. Mm. She says that they've edited the genome uh, project. They've edited a bunch of things. Because... The, the 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 patriots let's let's remove the patriots controlling information is probably a good thing but and this is the only credence i'll get to my freedom types is who do we decide controls that information and i don't think anyone really has a good answer to that and that's why we need to kind of dip our toe into the control but also mostly be kind of hands off it's very weird I'm actually much more for harder control, but again, that runs into issues, and I'm going to acknowledge those issues. I mean, this kind of puts a like a tick in the pro corner for AI because uh, if we do it right, AI would be um, what's the word? Objective. Objective, but um, the, the, but then the people who make the AI. Well, the the problem is in this universe, the Patriots are also kind of the Illuminati, mm. so. That, that, that's the problem here. In a real world setting, they'd be a little bit different. But here they are actually about world, like controlling world power. So they are kind of villains here. Mm. But, like, fuck, they're doing... Like, I don't know. They, they're in the grey area of villains. Soldus doesn't like the idea of the Patriots just being able to control information and um, distribute it at will. Uh, because they can change things like that. And once one generation dies, like... That, that memory is finite. It goes away. The data they, con- they control is permanent. So they can literally reshape the world however they like. That's really bad. I'm, I'm going to agree with Solidus here. That's really bad. Mm-hmm. So he wants to create an outer heaven in Manhattan and fight against the Patriots. Also, the Patriots are supposed to kind of be in Manhattan. Also, like, it's got the world trade stuff. But Yeah! <laughs> um, so he, he wants to blow an EMP at... Uh, in New York and uh, some cool little things about Solus because I, I don't disagree with Solus either that's the thing this is what makes the, all these characters so interesting Solus is also a villain here but I agree with him the Patriots are also a villain here but I agree with them to varying extents um, cool little thing about Solus he fucking loves America uh, he's also the previous president if you remember the story oh I d- I completely glossed over that so he was the previous president so remember Ames the president the president before him was Soldus and that's how he knows about the Patriots Uh... that's why he's fighting against them it was actually Soldus that set up the whole oil tanker bullshit that I remember to uh, take out um, the Patriots his swords he has two swords they're called Democrat and Republican oh yes (laughs) oh Metal Gear, I love you. Oh my god. But the, the, the conversation that he has, he, he has the meme discussion. Because he goes... The, the end of the game gets really preachy, but I actually kind of like it. Where Soldus essentially, if we're going to break down the way he says to its basic theme, is... There's a little bit more context that you might not know. None of Soldus, Snake... Soldus... Solid Snake, Liquid Snake, all of them. None of them can have kids. It was they were because they're all clones, and yeah, th- yeah, that part that, was removed. Yeah, you did. Yeah. He's just like, well, I can't. He's he says this. I can't have kids. What legacy can I leave behind? 
and legacy matters. It's like the most important mm. thing to him. And he doesn't like the idea of the Patriots being able to control what that legacy is. Mm. So he wants that freedom. Humans are fucking obsessed with legacy, man. I mean, I get it, but sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. And then the, the speech from Snake at the end is essentially, you make your own self-worth, you uh, self-determine things. Um, but they both do talk about like passing on your values to, to other people. And that's what Solidus says um, through memes, the, the original meaning of memes. Um, we, will, we pass our values on, and that's why if the Patriots can control that, that's a problem. And I think I'm going to, after talking at you for like 20 minutes here, really just want to know how you feel about this like trilemma that's going on here. Oh, God, I don't even... Who's right? that's the thing they're all they're all right and they're all wrong and that like mm. it's as close to a real world problem mm-hmm. as like game good versus evil gets because they, they all have a point and especially right now we have gotten to the point where these conversations are incredibly important. The the conversations that this game is having in 2001 are a daily conversation in 2020. What year? 2021. <laughs> it is crazy. Mm-hmm. And this has been talked to death. I mean, this isn't a new point, but it is crazy how prescient this game is on this topic. They essentially predicted fake news before it ever became an, even a... Even a a sliver of a problem in actual uh, relevance. Mm. And like when when we were playing the game and they started talking about this stuff, you were like, oh my god, Julia, this is so amazing. This was 2001. And I was like, well, yeah, but people were predicting fake news in that way before, you know, the turn of the century. And you were like, well, I mean, yeah, but also no. Like, not- they, they really didn't think it was going to get that bad. And I was kind of like, oh, well, actually, yeah, no, they did Because, like, there, there's always been conspiracies about IBM and, like, how they're controlling information uh, and the Illuminati and all of that. But, like... But I don't think anyone takes any of this really serious. No, no one... It, it's, like, it's fun theoretical until mm-hmm. it's not. And, and right now and it's, it's not. not. And this no, is 20, very real. 20 years after they predicted it so like it's very easy for me to say oh yeah that makes total sense that they predicted this so early because like duh but 20 years in internet years that's a lifetime like yeah i the internet has checked even 10 years ago the internet is a completely different world i kind of forget that shit like dvd players didn't exist when i was a kid Mm mm-hmm like technology has just gone so fast and we've adapted so quickly what? it's so strange even even things like twitter <clears throat> excuse me i think uh, i i don't know the date don't get mad at me audience for getting it wrong it's like barely a decade old it's it's way younger than you think it is um same with youtube i think youtube was like 2005 but it only really got being used around 2011 something like that like these things are so new and if you look at the type of world that YouTube was a decade ago, it's its not, it's its day and night. Mm. They're completely different things. The, these things, you can even look back three years and see a different world of what online discourse was and the way people practiced online. Uh, so t- I think like 20 years doesn't sound like a long time. When it comes to the internet, it's, it's, it's generations mm. almost. It's crazy. 
I think that's one of the reasons why Metal Gear has really, really stuck around as the as a cultural zeitgeist because it is timeless in its predictability. Because again, like they predicted this twenty years ago, and it is becoming a huge problem now, and we can relate to it more and more each year. So, ugh, God, Metal Gear, clap, clap, clap. This one's like a big stretch. But people say this about Death Stranding because that game like glorifies delivery people um, for lots of different reasons. I'm not going to get into, and like we're now living in a pandemic where delivery people are like the most important pe- people who actually like go out and deliver things to you are like the most important people. So people are like, oh my god, he did it again! Like, it's, yeah. a bit, it's a bit of a stretch, guys, <laughs> but uh, I can see it at least. There aren't like weird invisible ghosts chasing you. It's just COVID. <laughs> in the game that is pretty interesting is this you didn't and this is what they're talking about here is the the video games um but also raiden because what raiden's doing throughout the game is essentially like a video game again there's lots of layers here and they're all connected it says you didn't have much choice in this but this experience was yours um i think this is applicable in a lot of ways because i'm a soft determinist um like the reason I'm having this conversation with you and the type of person I am right now is just based on environmental uh, factors and, and think, well, environmental is everything. Um, some people would look at that and feel like it's a bad thing. Well, you don't like really have a lot of choice here, do you? And I'm like, no, not really, but this is mine and I'm going to make it mine. Does that make sense? Hmm. So that's the way I kind of feel about my life in general. And like, that's why... <laughs> I get a little thingy with people, the way people talk about video games sometimes, where like, um, oh, this game's so linear. And it's just like, no, you can self-express in a bunch of different ways. You can, this is your experience. Two people could literally play the exact same way and go through the same experience and come out with completely different things from them. That's what this podcast is mm. about. And they, they say that, they just, they just say it. Now this game does a lot of just saying it. I think that's really important. And um, they're talking about this with Jack and him, like, determining his own worth. Because they're essentially trying to make him a copy of mm. Snake and everything. So, what do you think? <laughs> I'm huh, doing this you're thing. asking big questions yeah. that my little brain can't handle. I, I have smooth brain. Um, I, like, it's... It's just all so fucking fantastic. Oh my god, these are the conversations that we should be having for every bit of content ever. It's so cool. Um... I don't know where I sit on the, like, scale of determinist or not. I, I definitely believe that, like, you make your own... You make your own worth. You make your own story. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I was just... I was connecting a lot of things together, which is why I was, like, a little scatterbrained. Mm. But I was essentially talking about how, like, not only do we, like, create our own value in life, but we create our own value in art, and that's the important part. Yes. Yes. There we go. Yes. I'm going to make a tangent... This whole time we're playing this stupid game, you're sitting there going, hey, Julia, just a reminder, this isn't a simulation. It's not a simulation. Uh, sorry, it's not VR. It's not VR. It's not VR. And the whole, 
in my notebook, I've got written down, yes, Joel, I get it. It's not VR. <laughs> I never thought it was VR. <laughs> well, the, the game almost heavily implies it is it's VR. very heavily implies it. But also, like, it heavily implies it to the point where it's like, ah, uh, you're, you're sending me in the wrong direction. This is a red herring. Um, and it, it, the whole thing was just really funny. Because <laughs> you were just pressing it. Um, one thing that this game says, um, which I actually hard agree with, and this is just going back to the conversation on fake news, essentially, it says that junk data is an evolutionary threat. And I think that is like a very, uh, I can't, poignant? Is that a, that's the word, right? It's poignant, yeah. It is, though. I, oh, okay. Here's a great example that I only just saw yesterday, even. Uh, so throughout human history, our best way of, uh, preserving information is storytelling. <laughs> like that That's how humans mainly communicate. Um, there is a phenomenon that I, I didn't really... I knew existed, but I didn't really think about until recently, of people telling fake stories online to, like, get views, get likes, yeah. get whatever. Um, yeah. The specific story that came up on my dash was about this girl... She goes to Target, she buy. She wants a, a black-skinned doll, she's a white kid, mm -hmm. um, and she goes up to the register with her mum, and the cashier's like, no, oh, sweetie, uh, don't you want a doll that has, like, white skin? And the mum's about to say something, and this l little eight-year-old pipes up and goes, no, I don't want another doll. This doll is pretty like me, oh, and she wants great. to be a doctor. Um, and, like... I'm cringing. Really. It's cringe, but, like... The story is cute, and people are like, this is so cute, and this is a great, you know, reminder that, you know, kids are innocent, and we shouldn't be racist, like, oh, clap, clap, clap for the... And everybody clapped. And everybody clapped. Um, but that story is entirely fake, mm -hmm. and we know it's fake because it has cropped up on so many different websites, and, like, sometimes it's tweaked, like, it's not yeah, Target, yeah. it's Walmart... Uh, the races are swapped, so it's a... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there are a lot, a lot of stories like that. I mean, the, like whole, some, the whole creepypasta industry is just... The whole creepypasta industry. Someone should put together a database of, like, these stories. Um, there's a lot... Uh, was it Lindsay Ellis or was it Sarah Z that did a video recently about um, opera homeless style? That's a very famous... It's a Tumblr story about... Probably would be Sarah Z. Yeah, probably Sarah Z. Um, it's a Tumblr story about uh, this person who comes across a homeless man and the homeless man's getting bullied by a neckbeard and then the the guy's like, let's do a dance battle up a homeless star. And, uh, like, he dances, everybody gets in a dance party and they all clap. Um, but the the weird thing about it is it's, it's a fake story... Um, that is presented as being told by, like, some sad SJW who just wants to, like, get attention. But the account that posted the story was also fake. So it was a person pretending to be, like, some extreme leftist mm -hmm. who was faking yeah. this story. And, like, that exists all across the internet for all these different stories. And it 
controls narratives mm-hmm. in a really weird way because these stories go viral and no one thinks to fact check them. Yep. And again, that's how like we've kept we, information. We tell stories. Here's something <laughs> we're all guilty of. How many times have you read the title of an article and not the article? Yep. Right? How many times have you actually looked at... Even if you read the article, how many times have you clicked on the sources? Mm-hmm. Um, this, this, I think this is an evolutionary threat. Um, I don't know how we're con- going to combat it without being kind of uh, <laughs> controlly with it. And that's why I'm like kind of on the Patriots' side there. The, uh, the only way we can even begin to do it is to teach we- kids more about critical thinking. But even then, like... Well, we're already... This this problem, not only has it always existed, but it's growing exponentially. I don't think we can educate ourselves out of this. I'm starting... I'm, I'm taking the bad pill on this pretty quickly. I think our... I want that, yes. I don't think it's going to... I think this problem will be, become self-destructive mm-hmm. long before we can fix it culturally. Much better example that I should have thought of earlier, deep fakes. Mm-hmm. Deep fakes are get, getting really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone who isn't sure, a deep fake is like... Oh, it's uh, it's using programs to put one face on top of another. Yeah, and you, you can do stuff like create people who don't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there's... Well, like, there's a whole bunch of TikTok accounts, actually, here's at the moment a bit exa- that. Here's an example of it that um, that was used, which is kind of scary. So when the capital attack on the uh, Washington, D.C., the capital attack um, from all the Trumpers, um, when that happened and Trump finally put out a video saying, hey, everyone, go home, you know, it took him a while to do it, but he did it. Um, what were all the alt-right people saying online? Oh, this is a deep fake. This is actually him. Look, look at the way he turns his neck. That's not normal. And it's just like, again, they're creating their own reality. What, whatever, like, makes... They've already accepted the reality and then they, they need to justify it. So they get cognitive dissonance in their head and they, they, they come up with these really... But the fact that deep fakes exist means that they can start applying it to things that aren't deep fakes. Mm-hmm. And deepfakes are getting to the point where you can't tell them apart, mm-hmm. and that's really scary. Because, you know, what is to stop someone hijacking a broadcast and projecting, like, the President of the United States calling a war against somebody, or, like... Yeah. From the littlest thing to, like, I don't know, uh, faking your mother-in-law showing up to a party, like, superimposing her face in a photo or something, and then next step, uh, being having a video of someone writing you into their will, next step, uh, nuclear well, war. It's, it's crazy. Hearing, I actually don't like this. A lot of people like it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just the odd one out. I don't like what, um, like, Disney are doing with, like, reviving dead actors Whoa. Oh, yeah, with like with Star Wars. Yeah, like, but like they're really good because they've got the money behind it. Like they actually kind of work. I don't, but I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. I don't. Yeah, I don't. It's <laughs> uncomfortable, and that is, like you can't. You can't show a deep fake to a classroom and then be like, "Kids, just apply critical thinking, and you'll be yeah. able to tell the difference." 
like sure there are I guess like at the moment there are subtle things that you can kind of tell it's a deep fake if you're looking carefully but a not a lot of people are looking carefully a lot of people are just scrolling on their phone mm-hmm. they see something yeah. accept it as true and go on um and some of us are just not we're not that in the know or we just they're, they're getting too good do we have a solution here we don't the, I mean, the best solution for deep fakes would be well, not deep, AI not stuff. Fakes. Let's just talk about uh, fake news. Well, yeah. no, I, I'm. Well, it's an encompassing thing. I'm putting the abru- yes. umbrella all over all these problems now. You're hitting the theme of the of the game. How do we solve this? We, I mean, we can't. Like <laughs> specifically for deep fakes, we would need AI. I think. But when and when it comes to textural truth. We, we might need a combo of both because, um, what is it? The YouTube moderators, like they, no, they, there aren't any. no, 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 but they, they opened up a program or something for people to apply to be kind of moderators at one point And like the program completely failed. Uh, no, the pro, the program failed because like people just couldn't kind of keep up with it. If I'm recalling correctly. Um, well, it, this this is the problem, right? We are creating, as a, as a species, we are creating information far too quickly for any of us to process. Mm. We're evolving ourselves out of existence, all right? And um, it's the same with technology. So we're developing technology at such a fast rate that, like, it would take generations to fix this problem, but technology is moving far quicker than that. We really should have solved... Uh carbon emissions and shit before we started building really smart computers because <laughs> uh we're gonna die before <laughs> we find a solution for any of this because the planet's gonna explode so I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens in like the next 10 years it's gonna be a bit of a wild one because there's no way in 2011 that i could have predicted the type of world that we live in today i don't think i could do it it's radically different the next 10 years is going to be very different again. And t- 20 years before this, MGS2 is just like, yeah, this will be a problem. Watch out. Hideo Kojima, did you do a time leap <laughs> to figure this out? Because you were way ahead of your time, buddy. So, uh, I said I would mention it later, but uh, if, it, if it isn't obvious from what we were saying before... Um, this, this game came out, it went to master around the time that the Twin Towers fell. Ah, yes. So there's, it's, it's kind of jarring. Like, I understand them taking it out. I wish they would kind of put it back in now. Um, but it's really jarring because you kind of, you're in the ocean and then you get knocked out and then suddenly you've crashed into Manhattan and, like, most of New York is destroyed with Arsenal gear. And, um, yeah, the whole thing got cut. Uh, I just think it's, it's fun little trivia because it's super jarring how that happens. Let's talk about fortune, Julia. I know you've been waiting all podcasts for it. I'm so thirsty for fortune. She's my love interest. I fall in love with characters way too easily. I don't think she's a good character, though. Sadly, 
I don't know. I I kind of like her whole thing of like. Tell me two things about her. <laughs> she's whiny and she's unlucky. Yep, and cool. You've now summarized fortune. Yeah, but no, that's that's kind of what makes her interesting because she's, like, she's like built her whole identity around, you know, I can't die because stuff just doesn't hit me. I don't get it. I'm cursed. So all and like her. All of Dead Cell are like kind of cursed in some way, but like she's she's built her whole identity around this, and it turns out it's a complete lie. That's so interesting. I love stories like that because they're like self tragic. I just feel like she's a bit of a missed opportunity because there's like there's a lot to explore there, and we don't explore any of it. Yeah, but when when would we have had the time? This is already an hour seventy. Well, that's that's kind of what I mean. Like we're we're running on like six hours worth of cutscenes in this game. Like you can you can give Fortune a little bit more time, you know. True. Flesh her out a little bit. I felt like she was fine. I wanted to learn more about Fat Man and Vamp. All right. Well, let's <laughs> choose one, and we'll talk about them first. Fat Man. Fat Man. Fat Man. Everyone hates Fat Man. I love Fat Man. I also His love Fat boss Man. battle is amazing. He's, he's a roller skate. He's just campy as fuck. He's so good. This guy is in a giant bomb suit. Bomb dis uh, um, disposal suit or diffuser suit. Dis it's both. Yeah. Um, and um, Demolitions. Yeah, but it's a diffusing suit. It's an anti-blast suit. And, um... He loves wine, but he can't drink a glass because of the blast shield, so he has a little spendy straw to, to drink his wine. It's just, he's amazing. He's the best. Um, talking about Vamp for a second. You yeah. hated it. He hated Vamp. <laughs> I've always hated Vamp. Um, he's not a vampire, it's just Nano, but he's not a vampire, Julia. You're saying it the wrong way. <laughs> no, I'm saying because I'm saying it sarcastically the entire time. True. He's definitely not a vampire. <laughs> Except this motherfucker can climb on walls, run on water, gets shot several times in the head, and just gets back up again. Drinks blood. Not a vampire. Not a vampire. No, he's a mermaid, because he can swim really good in the water. In high, highly oxidized water. Mm. Vamp, I was thinking of a way to summarize him. And do you know that really cringe t-shirt from a long time ago? Vamp is the person who would wear this shirt. It's the one that says, don't piss me off, I'm close to leveling up, and you look like you're just enough experience. Like you're just enough XP. Do you know that really cringy shirt? I've never heard or seen of that this, shirt, and this I'm is so like, glad. It's like early 2000s. Ew. It's like super, it's like not, it's it's not self-aware, like it's serious. Mm. It's like, yeah. Here Vamp is <laughs> the type of person who would actually unironically wear that shirt. He reminds me of someone creating, like, a, a Mary Sue character and being like, so I want to have this power and this power and this power and this power, um, but I want it all to be under this specific condition. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Vamp is terrible. Vamp is... I, I didn't say Vamp was terrible. I agree with you. He is terrible. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I thought he was kind of funny. I, I like Vamp a little. It's way too much for me. Like, Fat Man Camp? Awesome. No, you know why? Because Fat Man is campy, and it's self-aware. Vamp is super, super, super serious, and it's ultimately cringy to me. I can't handle it. Can we uh, go on a tangent for a second and talk about how campy the rest of Metal Gear is? Go for it. This game is full of booty, and... Mm -hmm. Uh, wiggling, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah, 
I am super gay, and Metal Gear is super gay. Do you like um, Raiden's flat butt? Oh, oh, Raiden, Mwah. and like snakes, snakes butt. Oh, he he's got it. He, you just want to slap it. There was actually a controversy uh, in one of the Super Smash Brother games because they nerfed uh, Solid Snake's butt. How dare they? they? They flattened it out. Rude. Because he used to have a big booty in the previous game. But I think, above all, my favourite is when Raiden is necky and he covers his junk with his hands, including when you do a car wheel. It's very cute. <laughs> it's so... Oh, it's so good. Well, that's a good lead into talking about that area of the game. So that's when the game starts to break down. Welcome to episode one of Jam Jelly Spam. My name is Jam Joel. And I am Jelly Julia. And today we're covering Made in Abyss. I'm, I'm sure it was Steinsgate. It wasn't Made in Abyss, right? Made in Abyss, first made from this manga. Incredible. It's amazing. I fucking love Made in Abyss. It's really funny because you introduced it to me and now you're the fake fan because I've read the whole thing. Wait, no. This isn't right. So story-wise, we've injected a virus into the AI program. It doesn't fully work, so it's still working, but there's problems. That's where everything starts breaking down mm. for Raiden. He has a direct link with his nanomachine, so he starts seeing weird shit. So on and so forth. Vision mode. That's where we start getting all the fucking stuff. And this is the part where I, I don't like doing this when I do it, but I have to. I'm just like, Julia. Pay I just, attention. I need you to be looking at the screen at all times here because like this is where the shit happens, mm. okay? And um, tell me about how you felt going through all those codec calls and the fucking with the minimap and the game over screens and so on and so forth. So like I said before, I I am very well aware of like Metal Gear's reputation with that kind of thing. Uh, you know, I know all about the Psycho Mantis shit and reading your memory card and whatever. Uh, so like I expected this stuff to happen, but it was still fucking creepy when it happened. Mm -hmm. I both expected and did not expect it. It was amazing. I was so hooked. Oh boy. When we did the recording for the nomination, you don't know anything about Metal Gear Solid 2, broadly speaking. I'm like, next time on Jolly Jam Spam, <laughs> Julian needs scissors, 61. And you I was like, just like, what? Um, and, and, yeah. Then, and then, yeah, it happened in the game. And I was finally like, oh, I get it now. Julia, I need you to jump across this gap. Jump? Jumping is a form of locomotion or movement in which an organism or non-living, example, robotic, mechanical system propels itself through the air along a ballistic trajectory. Ballistic trajectory? Um, yeah, it's so cool. Creepy? It's just cool. It's creepy as fuck. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that's shit I expect from kind of the modern survival horror. Uh... And like, you know, Colonel Campbell turning into a skeleton. Oh, mm -hmm. it's weird. It, it gave me the bad shivers. There's also like other things that he does where there's this one of the codec calls he does 
he's talking to Raiden like he's a buddy from work. And that's almost the creepiest out of all of them. Exactly. Where he's it's... just like, Jack, I don't know if I... I'll see if I can do... I can't do the voice. Jack, I know I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I, I, I swung by your house the other day and I saw a man leaving from your apartment and then Rose came out afterwards. And like, basically telling of this story... This didn't actually happen. But telling a story is just like, hey, I'm trying to inform my buddy. I know this is difficult. I don't want to shit talk mm. your girlfriend, but she might be up to something, so on and so forth. It's almost the creepiest one because like the entire game colonel campbell has been the most robotic motherfucker in the world and now he's kind of it's an ai trying to talk like a human there was like a bit of uncanny valley there super weird super creepy i think it works super well it do- and it's it's also that element of um you're already in like a game situation and then it switches and suddenly it's like a normal it's like, I don't know, you're at the hospital about to die and someone's like, oh, hey, did you did you watch the game last night? Yeah, like, it's, yeah. It's just that weird uh, juxtaposition. There mm-hmm. you go. It's that juxtaposition that makes it so good. And just, I, I, love, I love that whole bit of the game. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Ugh. And Campbell's kind of creepy throughout the entire game. In fact, he pronounces words weird sometimes. He does? Yeah, so he'll be like... Um, well, he always says, this is your role, really weird. But sometimes he'll just pronounce things, like, a little bit more robotic. I don't have, like, an example off the top of my head right now. But, like, he'll be like, this is the mission. Like, he'll, he'll say it kind of like like a talking program would sometimes. But it's just, like, the odd word here or there. The, 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 it doesn't sound natural. Interesting. I did not get that at all. Well, you weren't looking for it. Well, that and also, I, I mentioned to you, I mentioned this to you while we were playing, but um, the voice acting for me was weird to wrap my head around. Because to me, it sounded like it was all dubbed, which sounds kind of stupid because, like, of course it's dubbed. It's made in Japan, Julia. Uh, but the, it, there's, a, there's a way that dubbed voices sound mm-hmm. that is either, like, too loud for the situation or just doesn't quite fit the environment and that's what it sounded like to me throughout the whole game so like sure i I might have noticed if like people weren't talking like that but because everyone just sounded like this weird dubbed robotic to me i didn't notice julia i need you to turn the podcast off right now turn it off this wasn't part of the simulation. How did you like uh, Quinton Flynn as uh, Raiden? Oh, love, love, love the voice. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Still, still had that weird dubbed effect. I think the only uh, I did write this in my notes somewhere. Um, the, there's only like a couple of times where I didn't feel like the voices sound dubbed, and they were with Rose. Mm-hmm. Like, Rose's voice... She had a couple of very um, sincere moments. Um, and, and, like, I think Snake can get away with it, because... Well, David Hayter is, like... He's one of the people standing on the hill of voice actors, mm. you know, on top of the mountain. So, like, Snake could get away with it. Raiden only gets away with it because he's pretty. Uh, but, yeah... Mm-hmm. I don't think that actually answered your question. I love all the voice actors, by the way. Like, no shade at them What at about, all. uh... What was his name? Cam Clark as Liquid? Liquid! 
Uh, you've never played Metal Gear Solid 1, but Liquid's the villain in that mm. one. And um, it's like this weird screaming British voice, but it's like not good British. Uh, <laughs> oh, but everybody loves some not good British. But he, I mean, he comes back in the role, but you only hear him talk a couple of times. It's when the arm takes over Ocelot. That is, can we just say that's the stupidest? <laughs> apparently it has, again, I haven't played 4, but apparently like there's big justification for the arm sure. with, with Ocelot. And I just, sure. I just hate it. I just, I don't. Ugh. Oh boy. No, you don't understand, Julia. Jelly is a wibble wobble. It's made out of gelatin. Yeah, but you can also make jams that are like jelly, like quince paste. Isn't that a jelly? Something's wrong here. Look. All I'm saying is, is that in the 1950s, Aeroplane Jelly made a commercial, and we both know the song, so I'm just saying, jelly is jelly. But jam can also be jelly. Not all jellies are jams, and not all- wait, all jams are jellies. What were we talking about? I don't- I don't need you bringing in your queen royal jelly bullshit into this discussion, okay? Do you wanna do you wanna dive into the the deep pool that is EE? Yes. Emma Emmerich. Ah yes, it took me a second. Ooh, Emma now talking on characters who I wish had more time. There's Emma not, there's not you you have an initial talk to her, she talks about the AIs, you go for a swim. And she dies. That's mm. that's all you get of her. The best part of Emma was that whole reveal that she and Otacon are siblings. Well, no, we knew that from the start of the game. We did. Yeah, there's. I've siblings. clearly forgotten more about the game than we played. <laughs> so the uh, so the tanker mission that you play as Snake. The only reason you're there, you got bad information. But the only reason. Um, the information that were there that we're going on is because it was signed EE. Uh, we talk about how it's from my sister Emma. Right, right, right. So no, we we it's established very early that um, that they're step siblings. Mm. The the part that's established a bit later is that he was sleeping with her mother, um, and the affair that was mm. happening there, and how she wants to sleep with him, and how there's a lot of. There's a lot of, like, emotional trauma going on here. That reveal was so out of place within the context of the game. But also, again, like, it was fantastic. I, I vaguely remember tearing up. I have a sense memory of tearing up. I remember you... It felt like you were actually pretty moved by that situation. It was so upsetting. And also, like, when the, the parrot talking to Otacon... How? How? Oh. I miss you, Hal. I miss you, Hal. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm going to agree with your initial statement. Um, Gary Butterfield from Watch Out for Fireballs goes really hard on this. I think he goes a little bit too hard on it. But um, the, the the main thing that I agree with him on is um, that like emotional capital, you didn't invest it for the empathy withdrawal. Um, they just don't give her enough time. There's a good story to tell here with... Um, her feeling betrayed by her brother, him feeling guilty because he had an affair. Like, she still never knows that he had an affair with, um... Or maybe he's saying it to her as she's dying. It's either after she dies or as she's dying. I don't remember. But she's not aware of it. 
And he's separating himself from her because of the guilt that he feels for being seduced by her mother. Um, there's a good story to tell here, but they just don't put in enough. It feels rushed. It's, it feels weird. It's very but rushed. But it was still really moving. Um, and something I will go hard on is he should have just put the parrot in the cage and then taken the parrot on the helicopter. Instead, he tried to freehand the fucking bird and left it to die. I was so you, angry. And you were just like, the parrot doesn't who matter. Who cares about the parrot? I care about the parrot, Joel. <laughs> I care about Al? animal welfare. I miss you, Al. He, knows, he doesn't know how to take care of a parrot. He could have <laughs> saved it. Why didn't he save it? It's the only memory you know, he's whole... got left of his sibling. It just made me mad, okay? I love birds. <laughs> Oh my god, Joel, I was at your work last night, and as I was leaving, I saw a possum come out of your warehouse, and was following it. Do you think and the possum are like, I don't want to imply anything about your co-worker here, but uh, I just, as a friend, I needed to come and talk to you about this. I do, uh... I do mostly like that section of the game. A lot of people complain about it being an escort mission. If you remember from the gameplay, it doesn't take that long to actually get through. It's not that bad. Um, and I think a lot of the conversations that you have there are good, especially the conversation that Emma has about controlling information, rewriting the genome project and the alphabet and like, what the patriots actually are. Mm. The la 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 la. Um, all that shit's like really good, but this part gets maligned a little bit. No, I I agree. I really love this section, but you you just reminded me of um when we were first like diving through that section, and you're like, how does this place have so many sea mines? Where did these come from? Yeah, there's a part in the game where so Fat Man earlier in the game set a bunch of bombs, and by defusing all of his bombs, it arms the big bomb, and the big bomb goes off and it blows up that strut. And that's where Emma is. Oh, yeah! So we have to go in and get Emma. And But for some reason, in what was a building, this isn't this didn't start underwater. This got blown up, like, 40 minutes ago. These corridors in this building have giant, you know, the ones, the spiky <laughs> sea mines. Like, why are they here? They're just going to go... Again, though, these were pulled out of the video game box under the table and put in, like... <laughs> It's video game nonsense. Some of the um, Metal Gear stuff that you're missing from that whole thing is like the sins of the father. I tried talking about it with you, but like their dad made the first Metal Gear, Sahara Philanthropist, and um, Hal ended up making the modern Metal Gear, and he feels guilty about it, and that's why he starts the organization Philanthropy with Snake. To like an anti-metal gear organization, and it's it's about growth. Like Hal has like a big growth throughout these games, but Emma's just like they need it. They need another Hal because again, we're doing everything that happened in Metal Gear Solid One. We're doing it again specifically um, on purpose, I should say. And Emma made Arsenal gear, so we've got a lot of like sins of the father type thing going on, and I think that sort of stuff, which you don't have like the broader context for, is mm. also like pretty good. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Those si those siblings. I need more. I need more content. But I fear I will only find it in the recesses of fan fiction now. So this was your first 
real time at all with Solid Snake. Mm. Uh, oh, sorry. He died in a tanker incident two years ago. <laughs> I mean, uh, Iroquois Pliskin. <laughs> You're giving me war flashbacks to this game, pal. <laughs> <laughs> no, what did you think about, like, we, we didn't get, like, a lot of him, but we played him at the start, and we got a bit of him throughout the game. What do you think about Solid Snake? I love Solid Snake. He's an icon. He really is. Like, he's simultaneously that guy that everyone wants to be. He's muscly, warbound, he's rough and grizzled, mm-hmm. uh, but he's also camp as fuck, for mm-hmm. starters. Um, and he, by... Um... I was hoping to bait you, Julia, because I said you haven't really spent any time with Solid Snake, and I was hoping you would say, hold on, I've played Metal Gear Solid 3, or I've played this or that. And I've then... played, like, maybe... 40 minutes all up. I do not know that much about Solid Snake. I know well, Solid Snake My bait has... worked in the end. Hey. Because that's not Solid Snake. That's Naked Snake. Oh, that's, fuck. That's Big Boss. In fact, this is the first time you've probably ever interacted with Solid Snake at all. Yeah, it would probably be, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know all of the snakes are clones. Mm-hmm. I know that. Mm-hmm. I there is an original person. It's... Well, uh... <laughs> duh. <laughs> no, but like that. A lot of the name because I've been through this with you before. A lot of the names given to Snake, most of them apply to just one person, and then you've got like four clones. So the clones are Liquid Solidus and uh, Solid Snake. Those are the, mm. actually that's it. I think there's another one, but it, like I'm not going to go into it. And then all the other names. They're all just for the one person. It's mm. just different periods of time. So, Punished Snake, Venom Snake, uh, Naked Snake, Big Boss, so on and so forth. Mm. Um, hmm. There are a lot of games, and barely any of them like progress time. Uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to describe. Like, how all... do they not progress time when they all go for twenty hours? Milk <laughs> <laughs> no, is it? Uh, I need to play four. I keep saying that. I need to play 4. Maybe I should stream 4. That'd be a fun follow-up to this, I think. Hmm. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I'm still stuck on Solid Snake. I think the interesting thing about Snake is that he is an icon that represents so many different things. It's very hard for me to, like, Make it concise. Can I try? Can't, sure. So he's a representation of a lot of things that we want, but also supposed to be an anti-representation of it. Yeah! Thank you. Okay. <laughs> big, big wrinkly brain no, over here can summarize no, for me. No, no any wrinkles. <laughs> we only briefly mentioned it, but during that whole, like, fucky-wucky section, like the, the game over screen, the fish and mailed. Fish and mailed. You didn't even realise that... Now, this would have hit you a bit harder had you been playing. But you didn't even realise I was still playing the game. Oh, yeah, because, like, there's a little... There's a little window there. Usually shows you how you die. Yeah, and you were playing through the window, and I was just like, why is he sitting on the death screen for so long? This is weird. (laughs) No, it's like, yeah, I was actually playing that whole time. So, because it's the... The nanomachines in Raiden's head are being affected by the virus. Mm. So... The AI doesn't have as much control over what Raiden's seeing as they usually do. 
and um, that's why we're getting those weird fish and mail uh, scenes. But real life's still happening, so you, we're still doing combat on this elevator, and I just I think that part's really cool. It's really cool. It reminded me of uh, one of the first games I ever watched you play. Which Dragon Guard was it? Oh, Dragon Guard three. You, I don't think you've seen me play Dragon Guard one or two. Oh wait. It- yeah, so is Dragon Guard 3 the one with the, the yes. ladies and the singing? Well, there, there's like a section of it where it goes dark, and then you were like, oh yeah, no, I'm still playing in this section. I just can't see anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of that. <laughs> the, the singing is also in the first game. Ah. Um, a good example of this game that does a lot of this, God, I hope I get the right one. It's the <laughs> one with the rune. I think it's Eternal Darkness. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where uh, the sanity... Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's not even like a sanity thing. It just happens throughout the no, game. No, it is a no. It is, it's attached to your sanity. I'm there is sure. there's no sanity meter in that game. I sure? I, I played that game six times. Oh. <laughs> uh, for for each god. Well, actually, I didn't play it six times. There was three gods, and then like the true path with the fourth god that's like hidden behind the others. But it just happens at different areas in the game. I'm googling it because I don't trust myself or you. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. So it has sanity effects, but it doesn't have a sanity meter. Yeah, it just happens. Yeah, okay. Fair, and you fair, can fair, you fair, can be fair, lucky fair, or fair. unlucky. You can be lucky or unlucky with the sanity effects in that game too. But you get like cool things like bugs crawling across the screen or B sods or sometime the one that actually really got me because the other ones are all kind of obvious. But I mean, they're, they're neat as fuck. Mm. Don't get me wrong. You go to save, and one of them plays, and it goes and deletes your save. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? That one actually got me. But, like, I mean, other other games do this, of course, but... Um, Some game, <clears throat> Pardon me? Some games just do it better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Eternal Darkness is a really good example of, of that, and that's kind of what it's known for as well. I mean, I could go more into, like, the S3 plan, which is the Solid Snake simulation, and... <laughs> Okay, I'm going to talk about this for just a little bit. So ultimately, the Patriots and Ocelot's goal is the S3 plan. Solidus thinks it's the Solid Snake simulation, where we create the uh, exact conditions to recreate another Solid Snake, i.e. Raiden. Um, Raiden is selected for this because he has a uh, propensity to deny existence. So we're seeing a lot of similar themes here, aren't we, to the things that we're talking about. Uh, yeah, propensity for denial, um, and it's essentially talking again. It's talking about the video game player. We deny reality all the time when we pick up a video game and play it. Now we're getting a little pre- pretentious when we talk about this. Now we're sounding a bit fart smelly. I mean, that's what it. It is what it's saying. Because mm. um, Raiden is you, it's a direct line. Um, so that's why he was chosen because he can. He's very good at denying reality. Um, but then the Patriots are like, and Ocelot are like, ha ha ha, that's not what the S3 plan stands for at all. It's actually, and then they talk about how we want to control, well not control, but create context for information, so on and so forth. And this is actually what it stands for. And this one, they should have maybe taken the, maybe taken their third option for this, but it's the selection for societal sanity. Mm. Um... Maybe, maybe think a little bit harder for three S's with uh, controlling information. <laughs> I love uh, how... I mean, I guess this is, isn't just a video games thing, but how people think of acronyms for, like, 
video game places or uh, projects because mm-hmm. they're, they're always like fucking ridiculous. I love yeah. it. <laughs> the veteran player of Metal Gear and etc um, and again putting into context like all of the shit that's happening right now in 2021 uh, do you think this game holds up and do you think it would make a good reboot yeah so I'll answer this in two different ways um, I think just some sort of because it's already been HD remastered before I think a remaster is not the way to go no it, I don't mean remaster Sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted. No, you're right. Because um, I'm answering in two different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think some sort of, like, remaster to make it really it's extremely pretty and everything uh, wouldn't really do the trick. Even if you fix the controls, even if you um, fix some of the bad pacing. There, there are times in this game where you take a step and you get a forced codec call. And you have a discussion about something that's kind of not relevant, but it, it, it is in the broader sense. And then you take another step, and then you get another codec call. I don't even remember this, but like there was this hallway we went down. It was just like codec call, and then codec call, and then codec call, and then yeah, codec call. Yeah, <laughs> you do. You got the same one like eight times about... Um, it had like the original Metal Gear playing in the background or something? Oh, no, no. I didn't mean when the game was being fucky. I mean at the start of the game. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I actually like that happening. Those weren't forced codec calls. I was answering those. Um, but something like that just wouldn't do it um, you can keep all the stuff the meta stuff about this game that's fine the things I'd like to see in like more of a reboot than like a than a remaster or a remake uh, would be like give Fortune more give Emma more um, put in the Manhattan stuff again those sorts of things I don't really want much fucked with just give more context to some things it doesn't even have to be that much, and that's that's what I would love to see. And you can make it look exactly the same as it did, um, but mainly the controls, and just give a couple of characters a little bit more love, and I'd be pretty happy. I wonder, would Metal Gear make a good uh, contender for, like, what happened with Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. the remake, where it's... The sequel. Yeah, the sequel. That's your term. I'm using that from now on, by the way. (laughs) A sneaky sequel. Um, Do you reckon that would be a good way for it to go if they were to reboot the franchise? If they were to do... And this is why I I don't... If they were to do a remaster, I wouldn't be happy. If they were to do a reboot... I just finished talking about how I would be happy if they did it like that, but I wouldn't be. I'd actually want them to subvert the player again Mm. because that whole game was about subverting the player so if they just did it the same thing i think we kind of like missed the point i'd almost want them so a sneak will kind of would be the way to do that but we would run into problems because there is one game chronologically that takes place after this which actually wraps up every loose end as far as i'm aware metal gear solid 4 wraps up every single loose end in metal gear solid 2 so if you just sneak will it 
it you'd run into some problems with some continuity issues with four. But it was all a dream. I mean, that whole thing, <laughs> even though real things are happening, that whole thing is dictated. Mm-hmm. That's why you got annoyed at me. Because I'm like, it's not VR. <laughs> it's not VR, but it is a simulation. It is a simulation. Uh, um, what would you want to see? Yeah, I'd, I agree. Uh, I, I don't think you could... I don't think you could make a successful reboot without some kind of subversion of expectations. And I know earlier I said that this game was kind of timeless because of like the um the conversation around information and such, but it's going to sound kind of stupid. That timelessness has a um expiration in a sense. In what way? Because hopefully eventually we're going to solve this, the problem. Uh, and I don't know, just the... it's kind of like how you were struggling with that, like, I just cannot deliver the context of this game. It was so important because oh it came God, out I was literally trying in to be, 2001. I was trying to be the Patriots. I was literally trying to give you context. <laughs> and I couldn't do it. Oh my God. Wow. But that's the thing. Even me, I can know all this history about it and I can barely make it concise for you. I can barely give you that context. And I, I don't think we could recreate that. No, no, that... that and this is what I was trying to... We, we had a discussion off microphone about this while we were eating. And I was saying how as much as I try, I can try to put you in the place of 2001 and the fervor around this thing, but I, can, I can't. I can't recreate that for you. As much as I try, and no matter what adjective I put on to the type of feeling I'm trying to share, I can't put you there. Hmm. And uh, having said that, uh, Middle Year could come up with a completely different, um, like, problem to solve, I suppose. And, like, that would make it interesting. Like, maybe they go into deep fakes and all of that junk. Or maybe they go in a completely different direction. Oh, some the thing other... that they did do after uh, Hideo Kojima left and make a fucking cash grab oh, oh no let's not talk about that <laughs> oh, you, you do know about metal gear survive i do yeah. i have heard all of the team. No, like metal gear's dead and i'm glad it is like i'm happy like we c i feel like with a lot of things i hate like franchising things to death let's mm -hmm. just tell a story and put it aside <laughs> it's just like let yeah. it be its story let, let it be its own thing um, I've used examples for this with you before where I said like Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is a really good example of this here is a character story cool let's go forward a hundred years it's not a hundred but let's go forward an entire generation and tell a story within the same universe but it's different characters uh, and different things are happening and that's that's Jojo we just move from character it's usually like a grandson or it, they're connected in the mm. in the bloodline but we'll just move through time periods. It gets a lot quicker uh, as the later parts go. But, like, that's a really good way to do it. We can't let things die currently in our society. It's mm -hmm. just, like, 
because it's safe. I, I think I've already talked about this on microphone, so I don't want to repeat myself, but I'm so sick of us just doing the safe thing. <laughs> oh, Disney reboot, stop! Stop! We don't want them anymore. So I want Metal Gear to die, mm-hmm. but die on top, die gracefully. There's a lot of like annoying and bad things connected with those games. Let those be there as well, but let it die. It's, it's okay. And I feel this way about a bunch of things. I want Dark Souls dead. I don't want any more Dark Souls games. I love those games. The, the big problems arise as they keep going. Just let it die. Mm. It's okay. Um, like that, That's so alright. But you are like, hollow. <laughs> but just make something different. And they mm. did. It's Sekiro. Sekiro's different and awesome. But it also carries some sort of the same mechanics and stuff like that. Like, I'm there. I'm there for it. But, like, let this thing die. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And um, Metal Gear has left behind an amazing legacy. Its legacy changed games forever. Mm-hmm. And specifically Metal Gear Solid... Like, Metal Gear Solid 1 is the thing that changed games forever. But in a lot of ways, Metal Gear Solid 2 did. Um, meta Mindfuck game... There are Mindfuck games today that won't exist or would exist much later if it wasn't for Metal Mm -hmm. Gear Solid 2. That's my honest belief. Mm -hmm. Are the types of things that game did. And we're we're missing an entire discussion about how when this came out, um, going into first person like you did didn't really exist in video games. Um, Having, like, all the little trivia that I was pointing out to you. Well, if you turn your head to the left while they're trying to choke you, like, it makes you breathe better because it opens the airway. Shaking the rations to get rid of the, what was it, the sea cockroaches? Yeah, the, the sea lice. Yeah. Um, you can go onto your tippy toes in first person if you hold the shoulders. Um, you know, if you, if the famous one is from the tanker, if you break the ice, it will, like, melt in real time. Um, none of the, this was brand, this was incredible. And this is like, I cannot tell you how big of a deal all of this was. There may have been a game here or there that did one of those things kind of well. This game did all of them incredibly well. Um, this was like, like games hadn't seen this before. And on top of that, it leaves a legacy of meta storytelling Mm -hmm. not to say that meta storytelling didn't exist before it did but like all of these things are happening at once and it makes it really special and it annoys me that this game got shit on for a really long time (laughs) as the as the as a big stand for uh for this game in particular but yeah you're a big stand for a lot of games that get shit on by a lot i can think of two (laughs) what's the other one was it life dark souls 2 Oh, oh, Lifeline, yeah. The the conversation on Dark Souls 2 is switching nowadays, like the last couple yeah. of years. People are like, no, actually, it's real good. I'm like, well, yeah, I know. It's just... <laughs> I thought it was good before anyone else did. Tr- I thought it was good when it first came out. <laughs> I, well, I didn't play it when it first came out, but um, uh, unironically, yes, to an extent that is me. But like, it's just because I'm... Uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Like, I'm very, I'm very straightforward and direct with everything. Um, so I can't tell you the amount of, t- the amount of times where I've, uh, been on stream and being like, no, this thing is actually really good only for a couple of years later. And then suddenly everyone's saying it's good. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've been saying it the whole time. <laughs> it's recorded. I can show you these things, but. When are you going to admit Croc's good? Croc's not good. <laughs> Croc's not good like Monopoly's not good. But people will say it's good because they have, they have happy times in the past with those things. It's okay that you're wrong. <laughs> Let's continue. <laughs> How-
how um what's your interest like in the Metal Gear series after two? And I'll preface preface this by saying this is probably the weirdest of all the games. Like if you're here for like the weird meta shit, this is this is most of it's right here. You mentioned Psycho Mantis before. That's a pretty. There's like little things here and there. Like the Psycho Mantis or like the end from um, Metal Gear Solid Three. That's pretty much it. <laughs> so if you're there for like the, I'll preface it by saying if you're there for like the big meta stuff, like it doesn't really exist. Um, so the initial question, like, what, what's your interest like in in Metal Gear from here? I mean, my interest has always been peaked in Metal Gear because again, like, it's this huge cultural phenomenon that I just have not interacted with. Uh, so, if anything, it's just increased my interest. Having said that, uh, I wouldn't say Middle Gear is, like, a game that I typically play, so I'm really glad that you kind of took the wheel on this, because, like, I'm not really an action game-oriented person. I don't even particularly like spy movies. Uh, like, I'll watch Bond, but whatever. Um, and especially don't care a lot about military stuff, so... Like, as, as a game I would play personally, it's not super high on my radar, but the, the cultural significance of it makes me froth at the mouth. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to, like, continue playing more with you, especially Revengeance. I'll definitely play with Revengeance and 3 with you, because 3 is, like, just a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never played 4. So. Yeah, when we get to four, I'd be very interested in like well, checking over the shoulder. We can play four at any time because it's the latest. Well, this is not what I'm going to say is not true. It's the latest in the chrono, mm. chrono in uh, chronology, so we can play it at any time. Revengeance is technically later than that, but it's so separate that it doesn't it doesn't matter. At um, this point, I'd be happy to throw away the timeline because I'm never going to play these games in order ever again. So, <laughs> well, yeah, so I, apologies. <laughs> um, I feel like to talking about it with you has been good. I feel I still if if I was to choose one for the podcast, I still think two was the right choice if we were only going to cover one of them, because like this is just such a big deal. Yeah, I agree. And as I said to you off camera, uh, if we had played it and not done it for the podcast, I would have been like Joel. <laughs> we have to do this for the podcast. That's what's happened with Dark Souls essentially. Because we weren't yeah. going to talk, and then well, actually, no, that's a lie. You wanted to talk about Dark Souls. I didn't nominate it though, but then you were like, "We need to talk about this." You kind of known it. You really wanted to talk about Priyana Londo, and then I got like blitzed past that. Well, we were busy doing other things. Busy doing, well. a, busy playing Metal Gear for three thousand hours. <laughs> I didn't want to talk too much about the mechanics about of the game and why they're bad. But I'm going to talk about this, because I said something to you earlier tonight. I say it a lot, I just don't know how much you hear me say it. Don't like it when someone disrespects my time. And they, mm. can do it in, they can do it in many different ways. If they don't think I can get a concept and they explain it over and over and over, like you're watching a show and they're just like, this is the theme. I'm like, yeah, I got it, thank you. You're disrespecting my time. Um, this game does it in a big, bad way, um, in many different ways. But the biggest offender to me is... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to Gary Butterfield again. He has a, he has a saying which I uh, hard agree with it. Hard agree with um, is a stealth game is as good as it is fun to get caught. 
Mm. Metal Gear Solid 2 is not fun to get caught. Do you know what getting caught is in Metal Gear Solid 2? Wait for a timer to go down. Oh, yeah. I was just trying to remember what it was like to get you caught. You literally get time taxed uh, when you get caught. So go in a locker and wait there for about two and a half minutes. Just think about that. Every single time you get caught in a game, could you imagine just running to a locker and waiting there for like two and a half minutes? That's fucking stupid. Feels like it's almost faster to die. In fact, I think you did deliberately die a couple of times. I actually did like, it. Ugh. I actually did it a lot. Or if I would get caught, I would just run out of the room and run back in again. Yeah. Because it was, it was easier for me to do that or to actually kill myself in the game than to actually deal with being caught. Um, I think that's its biggest flaw overall. It's. <sighs> I grew, my appreciation for this game grows over time and it has continued to grow over time and it's such a shame because I get more annoyed by that as time goes on. That part gets worse every time I play it. It's actually extremely frustrating. The more you love something, the more you start to see its flaws. No, no, they're wrong. Metal Gear Solid 2 is the better Metal Gear. Julia, we actually missed a segment. What is your Metal Gear name? What is your Foxhound name? What's my Foxhound name? So, examples. Revolver, Ocelot, Sniper, Wolf, Solid, Snake, and so forth. It's noun animal, right? Yeah. Or reversed in some cases. I like Shotgun Kangaroo. (laughs) Um... I want to be a fish. Uh, katana anchovy. Katana. <laughs> katana anchovies. That's actually really good. Yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful, but it combines my two favorite things. <laughs> Julia, how many E's out of 10 do you give this game? You have to say the E's. Hmm. For its contribution to society overall, I want to go full out, but because of uh, technical difficulties and things that could be left out for the future, I'm going to give it E, 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 E. Nine E's. Nine E's out of ten. That's uh, that's eight Emma Emmerichs. Ooh. <laughs> How many? So we got solid Emma, we got liquid Emma, we've got <laughs> emulsion naked, Emma, naked, naked Emma. Emma. <laughs> it's a different rating on that game. <laughs> Um, I'll give, I'm actually going to give it, I'm going to give it nine E, 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 E's out of 10 as well. Um, I, I badly, badly want to give it 10. The, the technical problems come down. Also, we didn't talk about it, but the pacing's a killer. Uh, being interrupted like every five seconds, especially near the side of the game. And 
well, go make a coffee because this cutscene goes for 45 minutes. <laughs> um, they, are, they are actually big pacing killers. I mean, Hideo Kojima desperately wants to be a director of a film. You can't turn a video game into a film like that. It doesn't quite work. And he's kind of known, this is like, he's kind of uh, infamous for this. Um, I, don't, I don't like it that much. Mm. It's a giant pacing killer for me. So I want to give you 10, Hideo, but unfortunately some some technical things don't hold up. But what a fantastic piece of history. Oh, I, uh, I just cannot state enough how much Metal Gear affected our culture as we know it. Like, for people who don't play video games and, like, don't understand why people like them mm-hmm. uh it, it's impossible to convey mm-hmm. but like it fucking it did it it, it has massively impacted our story it's just so good Ugh. i don't even know how else to put it it's nomination time my turn yay so joel this week you'll be reading a book and my nomination is The Last Universe by William Slater. Oh, I've never heard of this. Yeah. So this book is one out of two things that made me terrified of slipping into a parallel universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a story about two siblings who find a secret weird hedge maze at the back of their garden. Spoilers. It's on the back of the book. I think you'll figure this one out. Anyway, it's a creepy time labyrinth. Uh, and cool. I think you're really going to enjoy this because it's a really good book. It already sounds like I'm going to enjoy it. It's, it's awesome. I love it, but it fucking terrified me as a kid and it still terrifies me a little to read today. Uh, so I really hope you enjoy it. What's its demographic? Uh, I believe it's a young adult science fiction horror. Nice. I think. It's ma- it's mainly, it sort of falls into that weird definition of horror that's like, is it thriller? Is it horror? Who knows? It's quantum physics. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's a great book. I reckon you'll like it. Next time on Jelly Jam Spam, Joel takes a walk down the garden path. I hate gardening, dude. I live in a house without a garden. I hate gardening. Gardening sucks. And the garden hates you. Well, but I have feelings. (laughs) See you next time. See ya. Silence through the night What a thrill I'm searching and I'll melt into you What a fear in my heart But you're so supreme
Someday you go through the rain And someday you'll feed on a tree frog It's so dear the trial to survive For the day we see new light I give my life Not for honor, but for you In my time There'll be no one else Crime, it's the way I fly to you I'm still in a dream Snake it Hideo Kojima is speaking directly to the player and saying, yeah, you jerk off Solid Snake so much. He likes his bottle caps. I always throw in bottle caps. There's going to be a thousand in the house. There is no way that this could ever backfire. Sure. <laughs> Look at him go. Time for fucky wucky.